Welcome back to the Georgia 2024 show. It's our Wednesday show, and I'm with Bill Quinn, my co-host. Thanks for the great event last night, Bill. We'll get into that later. You bet. So we got a full show as usual. The world is blowing up every week, it seems, in Georgia and across the world. Uh, tonight we have Hank Sullivan, who's going to go into some of the legislative issues. We have BKP to talk about some of the recent events in Georgia. And then we're going to shift a little bit to capital markets uh, as we close out the show, which I think you'll find fascinating because that's really a big part of your life as to how to protect your finances as the American system is intentionally collapsed. So that's going to be a big part in the end. We are brought to you by the Georgia Record, georgiarecord.com. Please sign up for our newsletters, our social media, uh, our Rumble channel, CDM1. We put out a lot of content. And I, if you go to CDTV on cdm.press, you can see all the shows listed that we're doing now. We're on Frank's Speech every morning from 8 to 10. And there's going to be new announcements soon of new distribution for CDM's content. Speaking of that, I'm going to do a quick, uh, I had an idea of just a quick overview of one of the other properties of CDM for five seconds here. The Miami Independent at miamiindependent.com. If you live in Florida, you'll get a lot of the same content, but more Florida focused. And uh, what's going on in Florida politics, which is another fascinating, again, very corrupt state. Uh, but go to miamiindependent.com and you can see everything there. If you want to get all of our content against across the whole network of 13 digital sites and growing with no advertisements, please sign up for our no ad subscription. Bill, do you have that graphic you could throw up real quick? I it's do. It's not that too hard. And uh, just go here, click on it. It's 10 bucks a month and you get access to all of our different channels across CDM with no advertisements, no advertisements on your phone, no pop-ups. People love it and they just get the straight news and you're supporting free media and you're, uh, you're, you're not supporting the matrix propaganda mocking media. So please help us out. It helps us give us some steady income every month that we can count on. Uh, it's 10 bucks a month. There's, it's a hundred bucks for a year uh, with a big discount. So with that, Bill, uh, let's go. Actually, I'm going to do one mention of one of our sponsors. The wellness company has an emergency medical kit. Last week, we had a cyber attack which shut down cell networks and pharmacies. And there's a lot of press out there that this was just an initial test run as to uh, what they may have planned down the road. So if you are on medication or you really want to protect your family, to something that you know you don't know what's coming, like a bionic or like a, a black death kind of plague, uh, or or a COVID bioweapon or a tick bite or whatever, you can get this emergency medical kit from the wellness company TWC forward slash CDM. Sorry, let me start over. TWC.health forward slash CDM. Use promo code CDM and you'll get 10% off. So protect your family. Uh, this is coming and we really need to be prepared. We're all about resilience and survivability here at CDM. And we test and check out all of our sponsors and we can recommend this. Uh, they also have a travel kit and a first aid kit uh, that, you know, just protect yourself medically because you may not be able to, to get to the pharmacy. So, Bill, I'm going to let you bring in our first guest. Okay. Thanks, Sullivan. Good evening and thank you for joining us, sir. I'm glad uh, to be here, Bill. So our uh, our listeners and, and viewers will remember that Hank is one of the uh, the most accomplished researchers, authors, and uh, good great colleagues for uh, for CDM uh, in terms of uncovering what's really going on in Georgia, um, both in in legislative moves and in the moves of some of the uh, political uh, characters in our state. So Hank, thanks for joining us. Um. 
overwhelmed to be here. That's great. Thank so, you. We we have had some very interesting uh, legislative uh, uh, proposals, bills surface recently, and you've been trying to keep up with the, the most important of those, one of which is HB 206. So uh, I won't steal your thunder. I will let you take us through what it is and why it is something of concern. Well, it's pretty interesting. I mean, you say I'm a researcher and all that. And, and yes, I do. I do research. But it's funny how this happens. Most of the time, the stuff comes to you. You don't have to look too deep at it. Very and true. so like, was it three weeks ago, I guess, Mallory Just about. Um, had put out the alert about HB 206. And of course, I'm doing something else. But I get the alert and I come in here. I look at the bill. And I go, oh, this is not good. This is not good. <laughs> And so I put out a short um, appraisal of the bill, um, and and I just warned for our legislators. It's in the Senate now. Last year it passed in the House, and I, I just tried to put out a warning out there that this is not good. Don't vote for this. And um, and I, it wasn't just me, but everybody that I know uh, in these circles. We all went together and tried to. Uh, to speak to as many of our of our legislators as possible, put out a Substack on it. You can find it on hanksullivan.substack.com. And so that started the ball rolling, but I didn't really delve that deeply into the bill until later when I had the time to sit down and, and go through it. And I'll tell you this, what I mean by uh, things just kind of come to you. After I put out that first Substack, one of the sponsors, the lead sponsor of the bill, sent me a private message on Facebook. And he, he said, I understand you've got some concerns about HBA 206. Would you like to talk? And so when I got that, uh, it was probably a couple hours later when I answered him and I said, yeah, 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 let's, let's talk. You know, gave him my phone number and everything else. Well, I never heard anything back from him. So I said, well, who is that guy? <laughs> so I get looking at who this guy is. And yeah, I say, guy, he's a, he's a nice man. Uh, so I, I get looking at who he is. Well, he's from Camden County. And so it's, it was so easy to, to research this. I just I knew it had to do something with with Governor Kemp because it, it, it just screams of of all of the, the Green New Deal things that he's always involved with. So I knew it had to do with him. So I just did a search for Brian Kemp, Camden County. Well, first thing comes up is about this company that established that he announced uh, as a green company announced the the building of an 84 million dollar factory for to generate hydrogen in Camden County and that was in 2021 and so the name of this company is Plug Power Plug Power so did a little bit of more research on that find out a little bit what was going on with it so it turns out that uh, that Governor Kemp was very excited back in June of 2021 to announce that this company was going to be building this facility that would employ 24 Georgians. So we know that there's something more going on here. This wasn't even a, an economic thing for the area because it's only going to employ 24, 24 people. So he announced that uh, had a press release about it. So I get looking back at it and about six months earlier than that, Plug Power had a cash infusion from the South Korean, from one of the South Korean state corporations 
Uh, it's called SK Group, who invested $1.5 billion in this company because evidently South Korea is moving toward transitioning to a hydrogen-based economy. So six months before that, $1.5 billion. Plus, uh, the, the company had signed a, a big contract with Renault, to make hydrogen-based cars. Renault is a car manufacturer from France. We used to call it Renault when I was a kid, but I guess that's wrong. Um, so in between the time that the contract was signed and the cash infusion and the time that, that uh, Governor Kemp made this announcement, the company stock had dropped from a 15-year high down to about 50% of where it was. Now that this company's stock is about 6% of its 15-year high. So it's bleeding cash. Uh, hydrogen has very little marketable use right now. I don't know if it has to do with interest rates. It might. I don't know. But anything that's that dependent upon interest rates is something that's very risky to, to, uh, to invest in in the first place. So it, the stock is, is tanking. Uh, they need cash. So they're in Camden County, and it just so happens that the representative from Camden County happens to be the guy who's introducing the bill. Let me back up just a little bit more, though. Any number of, of um, uh, articles that I pull up along about uh, six months ago up until recently are talking about how how these green energy stocks are, are very risky at the time. And that talking about plug, plug uh, uh, power, one of the headlines says, until government help arrives for green hydrogen plants, plug power will find it tough to make money. Another headline says, government help is being sought for creating carbon-free energy. So it doesn't take much to put two and two together that Representative Steve Sains, along with, I think, six other uh, representatives, uh, plus one senator, are sponsoring this bill in, uh, in our Georgia General Assembly. It was passed last March. It did not get through the Senate. It, it, so it sat on the, in the Senate over the hiatus, and now it was being taken up. And that's when Mallory puts out the all-points bulletin on that. So, so how does the bill contribute to this company? How does it, it sounds like it's meant in some way to help them or help them get cash. Yeah. Yeah. It's getting cash because uh, by way of Georgia's Georgia taxpayers. And so the way that this bill works, if so let's just talk about Camden County as an example. Um, I got to read one part of the bill though, because these are, Supposedly conservative Republicans are putting this stuff out. This this bill's like this out there. But in the bill, it it essentially says that the private sector no longer works. Now, this is a conservative Republican saying the, the private sector no longer works. He specifically says, he says, because implementing such improvements requires high upfront capital costs with resulting benefits achieving only over time, such improvements often cannot be financed on reasonable terms and are therefore not economically feasible for property owners 
That's why they have to create these government entities who will who will indebt the taxpayers to generate capital in order to invest in companies like this because it takes too much of an investment for the private sector to be able to fund. It's not economically viable. So this is crony fascism, essentially, is what it is. If you read between the lines, what that read was, this isn't a very good business proposition, so let's have the taxpayers finance it. That's right. We'll take the risk and they get the gain. Yeah. Yeah. So what HB 206 does is it it establishes these entities called commercial property assessed conservation energy and resilience resiliency development authorities. And the way the bill is written is that these authorities are are created in practically any uh, county or local uh, municipality in the state of Georgia. The the bill establishes these authorities in all of those places. Now, it doesn't necessarily indebt anyone there. So what these authorities do is they go to the county commission, say, Camden County Commission, and they ask for a bond bond referendum. The county commission then will indebt the county taxpayers to pay for the bond referendum. And then the bond then gets handed, the, the money received from the bond uh, is, is given over to companies such as Plug Power in order to fund all these improvements while they bridge the gap, bet- the, the economic gap between where they are in their investment and when the market can catch up with them and make this industry viable. It's a revenue municipal bond for an unviable project. Is essentially what it is. That's, yeah. There you go. In Good. one sentence, you crystallized the whole. Uh, I, 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 I spent twenty years like trading bonds, so I know exactly <laughs> what that is. But, so, uh, so when what what surprises me, you know, when you look at when you look at legislate legislatures, I mean, one of the things that people assume is we we elect a whole bunch of these people, especially in the House. And the collective knowledge of these folks should govern their decisions, you would think, right? Everybody would be looking at something. They're, I would assume they're not a lot smarter than we are. They should be reading this. Collective they should understand, knowledge. you know, wait a minute. Politicians. This is basically saying this isn't a viable business now, so we're going to finance it for a longer period of time and indebt everybody. However, oh. this thing this thing got a lot of votes, didn't it? When it when it was oh, yeah, voted it overwhelmingly in the house last year. It's amazing what a few dinners at Bones will do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do I do I hear a bit of do I hear a bit of skepticism there? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. So yeah. let me just throw up something because I want to make the point with folks that that this was not just a, oh this slid by by the skin of its teeth. This got a lot of votes. Look at look at here's the and by the way folks can go to the Georgia Record and look this up under under the article on uh, two hundred six, but. You got a lot of votes from uh, from folks uh, in across the House, including a bunch of Republicans. And what um, what surprised me was a couple of them after the fact said, gosh, you know, if I'd read it more more carefully, I might not have voted for this. And I thought, well, wait a minute. Aren't we paying you to vote to read all of this carefully before you vote? Yes, because you get what you pay for. <laughs> I mean, you get, they want to get seventeen thousand dollars a year. It's gas money, I guess. But uh, I'm not makes you wonder why they're so they're so eager to go do this job. You know? Yes, yeah, it, exactly. yes, it is. 
Well, I, I thought it was interesting that that one who voted for it last year, uh, he he and I had a conversation about the bill and he was he was telling me a whole different scenario of how this bill finances all this money and that it's it's actually the private investors who who put up the money for the bonds that are at risk here. Well, no, not unless all the taxpayers die. <laughs> because it is not it is not them that bondholders are at risk. It is the taxpayers who are at risk. Right. So, so the if this bond 80... issuer is the one at risk, and the bond is issued on behalf of the county, exactly. right? Exactly through. So the bond issuer is the authority that I, the name of which I just gave you had 10, 10 words in it. Yeah. And and it is approved by say a county commission or city council. Uh, but whoever is the the body politic who who uh, appointed them, they're actually on the hook for all this. So if say this plug power goes down, and they've uh, they've say borrowed eighty four million dollars in some kind of a a bond issue, then the taxpayers are on the hook for this, mm-hmm. not not the bond. Holders, they 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 just gave them money, but they get their money back. Yeah. So in the and, last couple of minutes here, let me roll the clock back for a minute. If this if this law, if this proposal had been passed at the time that plug power was flying high, and they had all these bonds issued to try to get this thing off the ground, and now you said they're at six percent of their previous high, what would have happened to the bondholders or the bond the bond issuers? Well, the bond issuer would be the authority, right? Bond issuer is fine because they're just going to go back and tell the county commission, we need some money here from the county commission indebted. The people, the people, then their taxes go up to pay for the bond. And, and what's interesting about this is, is you would think that, okay, there must be some kind of carrot out there for the, for the taxpayers but there is no carrot. There's nothing. There's nothing in it for the people, except maybe the potential satisfaction that one or more of these private ventures might eventually be able to survive on its own business merits in an economy that the authors of HB 206 already have said can't support them. That's what well, it says. You know, no. there there should there should be, and I don't know how this deal is structured, but a revenue bond should be issued, and there should be risk to the bond holder and they should do their homework because if the project is based on the revenues of the project, then if the project isn't successful, the revenues aren't paid and the bond can go belly up. So you're supposed to do all the research in the market. The interest, the bond market is supposed to set an interest rate relative to risk, but the bond holder still, if the revenue doesn't pay through, then they don't, they don't get it. I don't know how this is structured. Well, I'll tell you, uh, according to the bill, the bill authorizes these authorities. I'm not going to give you the long word for them mm-hmm. to borrow money to further carry out. Uh, excuse me, wrong one. Or is that the right one? Okay, to issue revenue bonds, notes, or other obligations of the authority and use the proceeds thereof for the purpose of paying or loaning or granting the proceeds thereof to pay all or part of the cost of any qualifying improvements 
and otherwise to further carry out the public purpose of the authority and pay all those costs of the authority incidental to or necessary and appropriate to furthering the carrying out the purpose of, of the authority. So the authority is actually borrowing the money. Mm -hmm. They're issuing the bond and it is the authority with the permission of the local, uh, local uh, county commission, mm -hmm. local authority there indebting the taxpayers through this authority to pay back the bondholders. Okay. So, <laughs> wow. it's, it's, so uh, I mean, there, there should be risk there should, you know, I dealt with a lot of municipal bondholders and you should come in in Atlanta, actually at Robinson Humphrey. And you should, they used to come in and want to know what the project was to make sure they would get paid. So I don't know how this is structured, but, that should be there. This is not a bond. Yeah. This is the law. Yeah. This is the law that they want to go and fit. And so okay. this law authorizes this these these local authorities to go into debt that are that are the debt gotcha. that is sponsored by the local local citizens. And it could so be it could be dozens taking, of projects. Yeah, or hundreds and they could write they could write the bond up any way they want to, but the law allows them. Uh, this this bond issuer to mm -hmm. indebt the local taxpayers. Wow. So this is one of the ones that surfaced. I know you're working on others, um, and I'll, I'll, I think we're going to have you back in the following week to talk about some of those. Um, do you? What's your sense of the legislature's peering <laughs> at the moment? Are they paying attention to when the public speaks on something like this? Are they listening and reacting appropriately? Well, I've been encouraged a little bit because, uh, say, for example, HB 206 was going on to the Senate floor the day Mallory issued the call. And we got a lot of response. We got a lot of response. I sent out uh, asking for a response from, uh, say, my subscribers. And I know that 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 Mallory did. You did. Everybody put it out there. And so. From, from what I gather and what I heard from people on the floor was that word was traveling very fast on the floor of the Senate. They were going to take this up and all of a sudden they were not going to take this up. So that's mm -hmm. encouraging. And it's, it should be encouraging to anyone out there who doesn't think that they have any power in this because, you know, you just like I am, people are always saying, you know, well, what can I do? What can I do? Well, when a call like this goes out, you know, very simply, send an email because it's right there. We give them the, the email of their representative, send them an email and say, vote no, HB 206 or HB 986. That'll be the next one. Um, and yep. well, we always try to include work. the link in there so they can find out if they don't already yeah. know, they should, people should know. But if they don't, then we almost always include the link so they can find out who's, you know, supposed to be the rep and who should be beholden to their right. neighbor's wishes. Yeah. So. Just know that it's not just wasted effort. Yeah. When, For sure. When, yeah. When, when these people down there on the Senate floor are getting ready to vote on something, all of a sudden they say, nope. And they put it, they put it on the table. It works. It works. Yep. It does that's, seem that's to. Our that's our job. Table. We have to do that. Well, thank you for your efforts, Hank, as always. We'll, we're going to have you back, I'm sure, uh, soon, maybe in the next week, so that we can hear about the the next things. Hopefully, we'll hear about a good bill before too long. <laughs> I don't know any good bills. <laughs> <laughs> there might be. All right. Thank you, my That'd friend. Be good. I appreciate you being with us. Take care, I appreciate it. Y'all have a great right. evening.
that. Great. Guy. So yeah, fantastic. Um, yeah, we need to dig into those. There's a lot there to unpack. Um, so obviously finance is a big situational awareness issue for everyone right now. You need to make sure that you're protected because the American economy is collapsing and our dollar-based system is collapsing. If you don't believe me, uh, just look at interest rates, just look at our national debt, just look at the BRICS moving to another reserve currency. It's happening. How are you protected? A lot. You can't stick your head in the sand. You need to really make sure that you are protected. We're going to talk about this more with precious metals later in the show. But uh, our guy for our, our, our that we recommend as a financial advisor is David Cross. You know him well. Uh, let's run an ad by David. This is a special report. Knowing how to invest your money is harder than ever before. Dealing with stock market volatility, record debt, and terrorist attacks requires new thinking. At U.S. Asset Management, we can help you see the world more clearly so that you can move beyond the chaos and invest with confidence. Call us, visit us online, or drop by our office. U.S. Asset Management, helping you make better decisions with your money. So just give David a call. If you've got a 401k, you're unsure what to do about it, give him a call and talk to him. It's free. Who do we got next, Bill? Our All friends? right. Brian K. Pritchard, a.k.a. BKP. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Always enjoy being with you and always enjoy listening to your guest as I'm waiting in the green room. So I appreciate the opportunity to, to join this great program. How are you, Todd? I'm recovering, uh, driving and uh, staying out late with you last night. You know, it's a take. It's it's a wear and tear on on the on an old man. Actually, Mr. Pritchard <laughs> mentioned that this morning on another uh, on another outlet that uh, he was in recovery mode from uh, a long a long meeting and a long drive. Todd, Todd, I don't I don't know I don't know how this goes across, but eleven o'clock at night for me is like the old days of coming in three three thirty in the morning. I hear you. I hear you. What a great event, though. That was fantastic. Uh, it, it really was that is Stacy Ridings as you as you brought that up um, and the entire team and we don't want to forget anybody but you know what I I, I think I got a message from Bill that what 187 somewhere in the number of 187 signed in last night yep it was uh, you can here's a picture of the room and a uh, number of us compared notes i don't believe any any of us have seen the room that crowded before there was standing room only you can see him standing against the back wall and, it, but, and it, let me just say it was all races all ages all right. uh all types of people it was a very cross section of america that's right and and when uh one of the senators that was in attendance mentioned uh forsyth and asked who was from other than forsyth half the room's hands went up. So this was a, a very interesting sampling of Georgians from many counties that showed up to hear the venue. So we were glad to have, glad you could join us. And it was a, it was an amazing evening. I thought it, it, it really, it really was uh, quickly before we get into whatever subject you want to cover tonight. Um, the lady bill, can you recall or, or let us uh, give us the name of the lady that chaired the Trump 2016 in Maryland. Her name is Sue Ghosh. And she is, uh, she was the one who spoke uh, toward the end. Right. And she is the, uh, she, she's the uh, found one of the founders 
and um, and counsel for the American Hindu Coalition. And uh, what what was fascinating to me, and you could hear it from the comments that Bruce Lavelle made and and the chief made. There's this sort of this isn't various cultures. This is one, or and you referred to it, I think, as mega approach to what we're all kind of feeling. It was fascinating. I don't know what, what, what your observations were, but it felt like one group. And I even got a call from a senator this afternoon saying that that's what they felt as well. Well, the 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 reason I wanted, wanted to um, have you recall her name for me is it was an amazing event. The speakers were great. We had state senators. Um, Dr. Um, Dr. King, uh, Levita King, uh, I don't think I've ever been in a room with her that tears don't come to my eyes when she starts uh, giving testimony and praise. And Bruce Lavelle and, and Mallory, it, it was a great evening. But this lady at the end, her story and, and what she did in Maryland with Trump and how she talked about, uh, Bill, she talked about America and assimilating Okay, the ones, the ones. If you were in the room last night, and I, I hope we have that video somewhere, and she talked about legal immigration. There's so many things she talked mm -hmm. about: legal immigration, and family values, and and everything. To me, said, you know what? These are people that have come to this country and have assimilated, and you know they're they're with us. They're MAGA, as she said last night. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just wanted to take just a minute on that. It was a great event. And if there's a video out there or, or any information on it, uh, Bill, I know you'll continue to share it with you. Are they going to have other events? Let me ask They are. That. They okay. are. The, uh, first of all, we should acknowledge the name of that group. It is Restoring American Liberty Forum. It's brand new. And one of the things that's kind of unique is they, unlike many of the groups in Georgia and really across the country, they're not part of a bigger group. Um, they stand on their own, much as, you know, I, I would say many of us nowadays feel like we've kind of had to do, you know, they're, they're willing to go out and say, this is what we're trying to do. We are beholden to no one at the same time. We are for everyone. And you could hear that in the tone. You could, um, I, I won't repeat names, but I, I was shared this afternoon that people were commenting, the speakers themselves were commenting, boy, this this is an authentic group. These people believe what they say. And you could see it in the reaction to the various uh, presentations. If they heard something they liked, they, you know, they acknowledged that. If they heard something they were a little skeptical with, that they acknowledged that too. But that's fine. You know, wonderful group. Um, I suspect you're going to see much more from them. There, there's going to be, um, I think they're deciding how many different events, but as many as five or six between now and uh, later, later in the year. Well, what do you want to talk about, Bill? Where, where, where do you want to start? So <laughs> I, uh, I know that you've been concentrating on, you know, the, the events of the past week um, surrounding uh, the, the tragic death of uh, Lake and Riley and, and perhaps even more, even as important, the, the circumstances and perhaps I'll call it, you know, legislative or political negligence that might have opened the door to something like that happening. So I'd invite you to 
you know, share your thoughts on that. I, I saw some that you had shared earlier in the day, and I think those were very uh, to the point. Well, I, I think um, as as the country, the entire country. Now we're in Georgia here tonight, but the entire the entire country is uh, it's just very sad and shocked by what has taken place here and the brutal murder. Now, the the one thing I did not share on my program, and I haven't shared it, and Todd, you and I talked about it last night in the hallway, um, Lake and Riley was brutally murdered, okay? I mean, um, and, and, and I did not want to go into great detail on my program. It's out there in some of the tabloid reporting of just how brutal this attack was um, on this young lady over at UGA, this beautiful young lady. But, you know, I said a, a year ago, and Diane, my producer, brought it up this morning. I said over, over a year ago, this will hit, this will hit a climax point when the 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 person that gets killed that's so close to home or or so close that that one person and sadly that is Lake and Riley right now where we're at that has drawn the kind of attention that we've been reporting for years and 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 not to diminish in any way whatsoever this young lady but we were in the room last night and we heard the Forsyth County Sheriff report that just this year, six overdoses in Forsyth County from fentanyl. Um, I reported right here from where I sit, from where I sit, not even five miles, uh, we say in the country as the crow flies, the cabins up here in the mountains, the cartel, the cartel brought a mother from Gainesville and put her in a bathtub, and I'm sorry folks out there, and dismembered her over drugs right here, five miles from my house. Our district attorney, they had to go all the way to Mexico and get these cartel members back and transfer them here for trial. Now, the point being is I've probably taken the task, Brian Kemp, Brian P. Kemp in Georgia, more than the Biden administration, but I don't want to, I'm not letting the Biden administration off the hook. And I want to be clear with that. All right. I want to be very clear. I've been upset in the past several days that yes, this is the Biden administration reversing. This is the Biden administration reversing Trump policies that is leading to what we see today, the invasion. But I always circle back to you know, Joe Biden is not in the White House if people like Brian Kemp would not have certified a fraudulent election. Yeah. Now that's just the bottom line. Okay. I circle back well, to that. The other thing the other thing that struck me this morning was you you went through a short list of things. You know, sometimes po po politicians, and I've heard our politicians here in Georgia say there's I don't have the power to do that. But you actually listed some of the things that could be done. Maybe you could share those again a bit so that people understand there's stuff we could do to be, be investigating this well, almost you know, immediately, here, right? Here, here, here's the thing. And again, and, and, and I don't, you know, uh, two days ago, I'll, I'll admit, I probably brought the show in the most anger 
and and I never want to come and, and do the program in anger, but I probably two days ago uh, came in with the most anger I've ever done my program since I started doing uh, this. Uh, but what what is really upset me is yes, we understand we're a union. We get that. We understand this is a federal situation that, according to the Constitution, you know, our federal government is supposed to protect, secure our borders, and provide security for the states. We get that. We understand that. And I get people say to me, well, this is a federal problem. Well, first of all, Brian Kemp used this issue in 2018 when he ran for office in a political stunt. That really bothers me because Kemp used in his famous commercial, not the one that we all know with the truck, that he would gather them all up and haul them back, okay? You know, we all know the famous big truck that he would gather them up and haul them yep. back himself. Yep. But, you know, he used the one commercial where he where he exploited the death by illegals of Kate Steinle, Edwin Jackson, and the Cannon family in 2018 in his commercial. He's exploited this. He made promises, and he's done absolutely nothing. I said this two days ago out of anger, but I'm going to be very firm. Brian P. Kemp, for you out there in America, is a very bad man. He is a very bad man. Now, he, he exploited this, and here's the things I, I think you asked for. You know, they say, where I've asked, where are they? I've said it for years. We know they're in Dalton. We know they're in Rome. Don't believe the we're not a sanctuary city, okay? We don't have them. Ask the people of Dalton. Ask the people of Rome, Georgia. Ask all of your sheriffs in the state of Georgia, what they're up against. They've known for years. They've been crying out for years for help. Ask the people over in Chatsworth. Ask them in Gainesville. And obviously ask them in Athens. They're, they're here in Georgia by big numbers. They could have, Brian Kemp, when they say, well, what are we going to do? They could have done research and found out how many children were enrolled in school. They have that data to illegals mm -hmm. because they're enrolled in school. They could, they could, the Kemp administration tomorrow could do a report and find out how many new ESL, English as second language teachers, all right? I got a message today after my program of a high school teacher that is quitting I got I got a message happening and I'm gonna, all over I'm, the country. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it up on tomorrow's program. It's it's in my notes for in the morning. I got a message right here in Georgia. A high school teacher that is quitting. A high school teacher that says in the message that they're told to give the answers to the illegals. Okay, and they can't take it anymore, and they're not putting up with it anymore. And 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 that it. This is across the state. So I think what gets me is, yes, the three of us here tonight, we know the federal obligation. We know what the Biden administration has done. We know that what Mayor Orcas has done. We know what Kamala Harris or what they have not done. We know what they have not done and what they've allowed. We get that. Okay. 
here, here in Georgia, always remember to me, and I'm going to look your listeners in the eye, what the rest of the world feels like. I don't know. But Joe Biden was installed into the White House. He is president of the United States. I don't I don't disagree. He is president of the United States. He was sworn in as president of the United States, but he did not win the election to become president of the United States, and he was installed. Now, here's where it really bugs me as a Georgian and an American first and a Georgian is Joe Biden, January 6th. This does not take place without Brian P. Kemp certifying a fraudulent election. Everybody has watched the funny Willis, what they're calling the entertainment. You realize this does not take place if Brian Kemp would have held up this election and not certified it and made Joe Biden the president of the United States. We're going to so, call, we're going to steal a, a, a line from Ivan Raikland and call him the China first governor. I think yeah. that's going to be, I, I can yeah, go with, I, I, I don't mean to get sidetracked. Fellas, <laughs> that's okay. But, we we got to move to our last uh, segment here, Brian, but um, we're, we're going to have you back. Hey, wait a minute, Todd. I've been kicked out of better places. Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, know you know, I've been trying to get, you know, Mr. Pritchard to be more assertive. How am I doing? Well, I, know what, I, know, I know what you two do before the thing, before the segment ever starts is how do we get him off the stage? Guys, I love you. I always love getting invited on and I appreciate this opportunity. We'll we're, see you later. We're going we're gonna to stay with, we're going to stay together in this fight, my friend. We'll Thanks, see you guys. Ciao. Bye. Uh, so I think what we'll do is we'll run the uh, a portion of our interview with Ira Bershatsky and uh, Bill, maybe at the 58, 59 minute mark, you can just move to the close. OK, uh, do you got anything else you need to say before we go to that? No, that's great. OK, so uh, we are very big on financial security. We have uh, brought Ira Bershatsky into the fold. He's the only Commodities Commission registered metals dealer who is offering precious metals to individuals. And uh, I, we wanted to bring him in and let, I sat down with him this week and this is what we had to talk about. Welcome back to our Masters of the Universe series. I've, ha I've long had an interest in finance since I traded on the street for years. And uh, I want to try to bring that perspective to, to the audience in a way that's kind of different than other people. We've got with us today, Ira Bershatsky, who is the founder of Advisor Metals. Uh, happy to say he's a sponsor of CDM. Welcome, Ira. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me, uh, Todd. I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, as you may remember, I, I was on Wall Street for over three decades. So between yeah. you and me, and it's <laughs> a lot of experience there. Yeah, and a lot of people don't have that, uh, what's the other, the, another word, that that insight as to how the street works. And, and so mm -hmm. I appreciate that. Um, Let's jump right in. How, how did you tell us who you are, how you got to where you are and, and, and what you're doing? Uh, well, after business school, I started with uh, Dean Witter Reynolds uh, back in 1980, uh, actually in number two world trade. And I was only there for three years. Mm -hmm. um, worked for other firms um, for about 16 years. I owned my own institutional broker dealer. I was a compliance officer, the head trader, I did the AML reporting. Um, so I've got you know lots of experience uh, as far as that goes uh, with with the markets. And about eight years ago, I segued into physical precious metals. Worked for other firms for about four years. Started Advisor Metals four years ago, 
So I come from a regulated background and this is not a regulated industry. So I have that unique perspective where you remember those old Hebrew national commercials where they used to say, I have to answer to an even higher authority. Yeah. Well, so I'm registered with the CFTC, the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, the only person in this industry that is, which means the customer comes first. I have full transparency. Um, everything I say has to be factual. There's no sales pitch, bait and switch. It's just, we have a conversation. That's, that's all we do. And I ask people questions and people ask me, they go, Ira, well, how do you talk with people? And I go, I talk with them like we're sitting on the couch in the living room and say, what do you say? I go, nice couch. Right, right. Well, let's talk about that for a second because people don't, um, well, everybody and their mother has a metals trading company now, right? I mean, it's it's like you see them coming out of the woodwork and they're all sponsoring different shows. Why is Advisor Metals different? That's first what our audience is, I'm sure, asking as they're watching this. Well, you know, we specialize in bullion, which is your basic bars, coins. People think bullion is only bars. It can be coins also. Mm -hmm. It could be... Um, Canadian Maple Leaf, uh, American Eagle, that sort of thing, or on the silver side, a silver round, or the Eagle's Maple Leafs. Uh, there's a lot of different products. I said a moment ago, you know, I'm registered with the CFTC, so I have certain ethical considerations uh, as well. Our margins are relatively low, so I've got all the years of experience to share with the, with the customers. Um, mm -hmm. Very competitive pricing and, and um, you know, the registration. Sorry, I'm just getting rid of a call here. Um, so how is, uh, how is gold traded on the retail basis? I mean, you have bullion, obviously, which you do, you're, you've talked about, you have coins, but we're, we're moving into an age where, you know, people may need to barter or whatever with some store of value in the future. How can you satisfy that demand? I guess. Well, on the gold side, there's fractional gold coins. So instead of a one ounce, maybe you get a tenth of an ounce, quarter ounce, mm -hmm. half ounce. Uh, there's gram, gram bars and coins. Which there's mm -hmm. 31.1 grams in a troy ounce. So you can even go way down into the, the, low, the low grams. Mm -hmm. On the silver side, um, there's a silver round, which I've been selling thousands upon thousands of them for people at the barter. And now they're like $26, $27 each, whatever mm -hmm. they are. So it's, a, it's not made by a, a sovereign mint, like a government mint. It's made by a private mint. Mm -hmm. And the ones I have are Buffalo design, Buffalo on the back, American Indian on the front. Um, so if someone washes your car, they go, Todd, you know, um, all right, well, I just washed your car. It's $27. You go, great. I have this one ounce silver coin. It's $27. We're even. Have a nice day. Fantastic. That, that actually may be the future. Where do you see the markets going? And I'll, I'll give you my perspective first. You know, I wrote a book about this 10 years ago because sitting on an emerging market bond desk, I saw we'd have companies or countries come to us, want to float $100 million of bonds in the market, and there'd be no buyers or there'd be buyers at a, an interest rate that was just, you know, not in that they couldn't afford. So they didn't get done. And, um, you know, I see we're moving into that space now where the U.S., at some point, the market's going to realize they don't have the, the will or the ability to pay back the debt. You've got the sovereign, you know, reserve currency issue where the demand is slowly ebbing away. So th there's a lot of really bad stuff happening. And unless we get, which I'm sure you're fully on board with, unless we get a handle on this, our grandchildren or children even aren't going to have a, a place to function in a normal society. How do you see that happening? And or is it happening? And what do you? How do you see gold playing into that? 
Uh, well, we're going to be heading into a recession uh, th this year, you know, regardless of what the mainstream media says. And mm -hmm. I did an analysis going back 100 years mm -hmm. uh, for recessions and, and housing and things. And you can go back to 1958. I mean, we don't have to go back 100 years. Let's go back mm -hmm. 60 years. There's actually, there's many cycles, you know, housing people say seven years and recessions five, seven years. Uh, there's actually a bigger, a larger 17-year cycle. So we go back to 1956, 58, you had a recession then. What happened 17 years later? The recession of 1975, which was the first recession where white collar people got laid off. Hmm. Um, and it was the deepest recession since um, uh, the 30s. All right, so 75, go forward another 17 years. And again, you could be off maybe by a year or so. Mm -hmm. The recession of 91, right, where you had the real estate, uh, commercial real estate dropping. What happened 17 years after that? 2007, 2008. What yeah. happened 17 years after that this year? Wow. Wow. Why is so that a 17 year cycle? Is it kind of like cicadas that live underground <laughs> for 17 years and then pop back up? I mean, what is that? Supposedly, it's going to be a double cicada this year, but uh, okay. Okay. It, it, it could be. And, and yeah, I'm not the only one saying this. The head quant strategist at JP Morgan um, has looked at his data and he, he's seeing that. And a friend of mine, that a uh, close friend I've known over 30 years, uh, he started a company, uh, it's called Railfax.Transmax, uh, Transmatch. And no, Transmatch is not a dating site for a certain segment of the population. It shows the rail car loadings. And that peaked in, uh, and he, he updates it every, every uh, week. It peaked in December of last year. So you can see the rail car loadings were up and, and now they're down. You've got people living off their credit cards and the default rate is starting to go up. Um, the housing, you know, here in California, um, I look at the, um, the California Association of Realtors Housing Affordability Index. Mm -hmm. It's down to 11% in the LA area, 11%. You know what that last time was down that low? 2007, 2008. So you're, you're seeing, you know, housing is going to drop, the markets are going to drop. So where does gold come into that? Let's go back again, a little history. Between 2008 and 2011, gold and silver each doubled when you had this really bad, the Great Recession or whatever the main mm -hmm. community you want to call it. So that's what we're looking at. And gold is a store of value. I mean, yeah. you can take any time period and look at the year 2000, okay, the dot-com boom. Between now and then, what has the Dow done? It's just a little more than double. Wow, it's pretty good. You know, it's more than double. Gold's up four and a half, almost five times during the same time period. And I said it doubled between 2008, 2011, when you had the stock market issue. Yeah. And in 2020, 2022, when the stock market uh, dropped, gold dropped a little bit as well, uh, but not as much. So it's there to you know, help um, hedge, hedge, hedge your assets, uh, which is what it's done you know, over time. Silver, little different animal. It's more mm -hmm. um, industrial based. Um, it's 60, 70% off its all time high but it's very near its cost of production. And if it goes a little bit below its cost of production, the mines will close and the price will go up again. So, so there's a floor is what you're saying. Potentially, yeah. yeah. You know, no yeah. guarantees, but uh, potentially, yeah. So your downside could be somewhat limited. And mm -hmm. the upside, because it's so low a price, if it goes up three, four, five, dollars $5 an ounce, you're getting a very good percentage return. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, is crypto impacting the price of gold? Because, you know, and, and also, is there a lag to gold historically, 
when you have, uh, you know, the economy's rolling over. The only reason we're up higher at this point economically, at least that Biden's saying, is because he's juicing a, the economy with trillions a year in, in, in debt. Uh, it's not real growth. Is there a lag when gold actually, you know, starts seeing a reaction in the price? And also is crypto as another store of value impacting gold at all, the price? Well, with crypto, I'm, I'm not too familiar with crypto. I know it's like 52,000 or something now, and it oh, jumped Bitcoin, up to yeah. 20,000 yeah. uh, several months ago, which was good. Uh, gold sometimes a leading indicator. Okay. Because you're seeing gold now over $2,000 an ounce you know, on the spot price. Uh -huh. And if we're going into this recession, you're seeing it leading it um, right now. Um, yeah. So that, to answer your question, I'd say it's more of a leading indicator. What about uh, what? Why should people own physical gold instead of you know buying a gold ETF, for instance? Um, I get that asked that question a lot, and mm -hmm. I look to be as unbiased as I can, mm -hmm. uh, even though I sell physical gold. And and yeah. the, the one uh, there's two main items. One is that there's actually even though you're getting an ETF, there is a management fee, whether mm -hmm. it's 25 basis points or 50 basis points, whatever. So there's that cost in there. And, and secondly, uh, with the ETF, it's stock market related. So let's say you have another 9-11. The stock market's closed for four days. Good luck getting your money out. You won't be able to because yeah. the market's closed. Yeah. Uh, on the plus side, you know, the entry to get into the ETF is um, you know, a little more cost effective than the physical metals. But when you have the physical metals, you have the physical metals. And Marty Schwartz, who you may know, Pitbull trader, he's in his 70s now. He was in Market Wizards back in mm -hmm. the 80s, interviewed by Jack Schwager. He said when in 1987, when you had the stock market crash, he and his wife went to um, the bank. They got out their gold and they had shopping bags and they had the gold, you know, taking it back to their apartment. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, you can't do that with an ETF. Yeah, for sure. And uh, there's a lot of risk now on the there's counterparty risk, right? I mean, you got mm -hmm. you saw it happen with FTX and other places that can literally just shut down and you can't get your assets out. Correct. Good point yeah. as well. Um, you mentioned California. I'm just curious on a side note, what's going on there is is uh, <laughs> are people I know. Well, I know what's going on government wise and politically and in people are leaving, but how's the economy doing from someone who's out there on the ground? Well, the unemployment rate here is uh, higher than the national average by mm -hmm. um, a percentage point or two. You have uh, companies you know, leaving, look at Tesla, they left. Mm -hmm. um, who was it? I think Kaiser Permanente, who's in Oakland, um, they're leaving, um, mm -hmm. they're at least leaving Oakland. Um, and it's just not very business friendly a business friendly state. And I can't see why, you know, here locally in Southern California, I see companies or bakeries and things opening up going like, you know, why just the, the yeah. cost is, is so high. Um, and, you know, the deficit now is anywhere between 30 billion to $68 billion. And the Democrats in um, the legislature are floating the idea that, um, which is a, they're floating the idea, which is unconstitutional, that if any time in your life you lived in California and you leave California, they can tax your income. Yeah. Even if crazy. you're living outside the state. Insane. Yeah. 
So that's what's happening here. But we have great weather, and <laughs> it's always you know, beautiful. Right? Yeah, every day, nothing changes. You go skiing in the morning, the beach in the afternoon. Groundhog Day. Um, <laughs> what about interest rates? Uh, you know, I personally, I think the Fed has been manipulating the markets for a long time, and that uh, they're keeping rates low. What are your thoughts on that? And if they do spike, how would that imp impact the price of gold? Do you think? Well, the, the Fed is, they're always behind the curve and they're, the Fed is a battleship. It's not, uh, I'm sorry, it's an aircraft carrier, mm -hmm. not a speedboat. So they have mm -hmm. to move slowly. I mean, think of an aircraft carrier trying to move around. Mm -hmm. um, and they're always behind the curve. Uh, with interest rates, um, with the recession, potentially recession coming up, you know, they might lower a bit, but you still have inflation out there. Yeah. And it's, it's going to be stubborn. And remember, as the interest rates go up, with all this 30, 32, $34 trillion of debt, the government, the federal government's budget has to pay more in interest right. for that. Right. Um, and in terms of the price of gold, you know, when interest rates go up, that does affect negatively the, the price of gold because mm -hmm. there's the carrying cost for the manufacturers, the mm -hmm. producers of holding gold. And um, also the um, when, when the interest rates go up, the dollar goes up. So that also weighs negatively on gold. But that, that's very short term. That's that's um, kind of a knee jerk sort of thing, because the trend is the trend. The mm -hmm. government can't change in the short term. The government can move the markets a bit, but mm -hmm. the market is bigger than the government. Mm -hmm. And I just see, you know, the long term trend for gold. Gold is an asset it's like anything else. Housing stocks, it's going to have its ups and downs. But right. if you look at the trend, the trend is up. Do you think we should go back on a gold standard? I mean, that may not be your area of expertise, but what do you think? No, I think it'd be a great idea. Politically, you know, it's not not plausible with uh, because of all the. <laughs>